This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. We have stuck it to the Miami Marlins. Does it make up for 2007? No. Does it make up for 2008? No. But the New York Mets play a series that mattered to the Marlins, didn't matter to the Mets in the standings, and we whipped that ass, winning two out of three against Miami. Very entertaining couple of days down in Miami. We got a lot to get to. We'll talk about the three games, the latest on Edwin Diaz not pitching, the latest on Shohei Otani and what his immediate future looks like, the odd Pete Alonso rumor and then rumor killer, and then obviously one of the big stories of the last couple of days around our baseball team, the raising of ticket prices. Season ticket prices go up, partial plans, they basically give you less, We'll explore what we know, a lot of the reaction to it, and to me, what the Mets have to do to make it right. But let's start with this series. Three games against the Marlins. It is odd. It's not something we're used to, to have the Mets playing the Marlins in September and the games mattering for them and not mattering for us. That's a very rare thing. Uh, I guess 2003 may be the only example. Because even in 1997, when they won their first wild card and eventual World Series, we were in that Fugazi pennant race. We actually thought we were playing meaningful baseball. So outside of 03, this is a rarity. And I, I kind of exclude 2020. I don't even think that one counts. But usually, they're the ones trying to play the spoiler. You know, we always think back to 07 and 08 specifically because we ended the regular season against them. It ended so badly in very similar fashion, losing on Friday getting our tees on Saturday, and then losing on Sunday. But I actually think of that emotional game, an emotional series the Mets played against Miami in 16 after the shocking and unfortunate passing of Jose Fernandez where the Mets are playing the Marlins. It's insanely emotional. And the Mets are playing games that matter. Mets were playing important games in those three games against Miami. But these three games matter to them. For us, you know, it's the same story trying to evaluate 2024. And when you go to Monday's game, the opener of this series, the big evaluation that is certainly getting our attention is the pitching of Jose Buto. Jose Buto, since he's been recalled a couple of weeks ago, has now thrown good game after good game after good game. What he does on Monday is another six great innings, he strikes out six. His changeup continues to look awesome. He only allows one run. It did look like he allowed three runs 
when Jorge Soler hits that ball that is initially called a two-run home run that gave the Marlins the lead, and then eventually they call it foul. That whole sequence, which, which was really the most important play of the game, if we're being honest, was so strange because of the fact that off the bat, I don't know how everyone else felt about it, but off the bat, I kind of thought it was fair. Like, that was my initial feeling. And they called it fair, and it's a three-to-one game, and it kind of ruined, in a weird way, Budo's outing. Because think about it at the time. It's the sixth inning. He's allowed one run. He had not recorded an out yet in the sixth inning. So all of a sudden, it turns into a five-inning, three-run game. Kind of like what ended up happening to Lucchese a couple days later. When the umpires met, what I thought was going to happen was they were going to say, yeah, we called it a home run. We'll review it, but on the field, it's going to remain a home run. And then when you review these plays where it's really impossible to see, if we're being honest, how do you overturn it? It doesn't feel like a call that really can be overturned because there's no evidence one way or the other that's going to tell you the original call was wrong. So the umpires meet about it. When they change their mind and call it foul, I'm thinking to myself, holy crap, they're not going to do it again. They're not going to reverse it again because there's not going to be anything on the video review that's going to tell you you should reverse it again. So I think the Mets, in a weird way, got like a big break, if we're being honest. And if you watch it, and I've watched it a couple of times, I admit, I don't know what it is. Like, I don't know. I, I thought it was a home run, and maybe that's the negativity of I'm rooting it for it not to be called a home run. But it was so high and so deep down the left field line that you really couldn't tell. I've always thought, one of the weird ideas I've had, and I know I don't know how often it would impact a play, but I guess it could here, is to paint fair territory down the line one color, foul territory another color, and then have that extend up to whatever wall is there. I always thought in theory, that well, wouldn't that make it easier? If let's say it's red, well, green in fair territory, red in foul territory, and you just don't make it the seats, it goes up. To a degree, I mean, it's not going to go all the way up, but it goes up a little bit because in the case of Solaire's ball, it did bounce off a back wall. But wouldn't that make it easier to see? I don't know. I just, I'm just <laughs> That's actually a thought I had when I was five. So I haven't grown out of that opinion. But bottom line was the Mets got a break. And to Budo's credit, he goes out and he strikes out Solaire. He got Josh Bell out. He got Jazz Chisholm out. And he worked his way through the sixth inning. So Jose Budo was the star. And here's what's so weird about Jose Budo. Jose starts the year at Syracuse. He had almost a full year at Syracuse. He made 19 starts in AAA. He pitched to a 5.93 ERA. He was not good. He was not effective. He was not Christian Scott. You know, he wasn't showing us he should come up here. And yet, at the major league level, since his recall specifically, he's been really, really good. So what do you make out of it? You know, and in fairness, so Budo made his first start of the year all the way back in April against the A's. And if you recall in that start, he put a million guys on base. We call that the McGill, but he was able to fight through it. And he only gave up one run. He made another start right after that against Washington. And it was very similar. He walked six guys in that start. And there were 10 base runners over the course of four and two-thirds innings, but he miraculously got out of it and only gave up two runs. And that was it for Budo. He got sent back down. 
He came back up, made a relief appearance in May, made a relief appearance in August. So his season this year was really nothing other than those lousy numbers I gave you at AAA. He gets recalled first week of September. And so this sample size that we're talking about are three starts. The Nationals on the road, the Diamondbacks at City, and obviously the Marlins in game one of this series. Over the course of those three starts, he has pitched 17 and a third innings, and he's allowed four runs, and he has struck out 19 guys. I don't think three starts should earn him a rotation spot, but it should earn him, as I said last time, kind of that swing guy option in 2024. I don't know if three starts is enough. And he'll get one more, or actually he may get two more now that I think about it, because if he started Monday, his next start would be Saturday in Philadelphia, and then he'll make another one on the final homestand of the season, presumably against the Phillies again. So I guess that'll be interesting. Two more starts against a really good Phillies team. But again, like even if he's great in those two starts, would five starts at the major league level be enough for any of us to say, that's a guy in the rotation? No, it's more, I'm going to give him a deeper thought in spring training next year. But major kudos to him. Obviously, they then win the game in the ninth inning. Jeff McNeil hits a home run, which he hasn't done a lot of this year. Though Jeff has had a effective second half of the year. His batting average is up to 270-ish, and his OPS is over 700. And his defense all over the place has been great. We saw that in the finale of this series. More on that later. McNeil hits the home run. The Met bullpen doesn't implode. Adam Adovino gives you clean ninth. And the Mets win a nice opener against the Marlins 2-1. to one. Key was Met bullpen didn't implode. Because after Budo gives you the six innings, Grant Hartway gives you a clean inning. Phil Bicker, Bickford gives you a clean inning. And the Mets win a baseball game. So it was a nice start. It was a nice start to the series. Game two of this series is another test. Another guy that we're taking a look at saying, all right, what can his role be next year? And that's Joey Lucchese. So Joey Lucchese did, in a lot of ways, what Jose Budo may have done if that Soler ball was called a home run. First four innings, he's allowed one run. It's a 1-1 game. Lucchese's giving you like another solid pitching performance. You're feeling pretty good about that. And then he runs into trouble in the fifth inning. Gives up that leadoff double to Birdie. Hits four tests. Gives up that weird bunt hit to Xavier Edwards in which I don't know what Joey Lucchese is doing. I mean, this was this error, and it turned out to be an unearned run in the fifth inning that gave the Marlins the lead, was just, I have to admit, it made me laugh. And I'm not laughing if, you know, this is a pennant race. <laughs> in fact, this game, game two of this series against the Marlins, causes me no sleep if it's a pennant race. I tweeted after the game, this was a brutal loss. I know these games don't matter. It was a brutal loss. Luckily, these brutal losses are a little bit easier to get over. But in the fifth inning, Lucchese fields that bunt off Edwards' bat. Ronnie Mauricio, who's playing third base, is right next to him because he's coming in to make the play. Lucchese picks up the baseball. Mauricio's almost in his way, and he throws to third base with not a soul near third base. Not a soul. And obviously the run scores. And the Mets get a break because for some reason, Xavier Edwards is trying to go to second and he's thrown out. And to Lucchese's credit, see, this is where I give him a lot of credit. He shows up somebody. I don't know who the hell he showed Maybe he showed up himself. 
by putting his arms up in the air. Maybe he was upset with himself, thinking he was an idiot. But he got through the inning. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Like that inning could have turned out to be a hell of a lot worse. Instead, the Marlins took the two to one lead. He got the next two outs. The problem was he ran into trouble in the sixth. He gives up the RBI single to Garrett Hampson. He gets replaced, can't get through the sixth inning. And now, instead of what could have been what Budo did, which is six innings, one run, which you feel really good about, Lucchese gives you the five and two-thirds, three runs, two earned, leaves the game with the team behind. It was not a bad start by any stretch. It was an unearned run, even though it was his fault. And I'm a, I'm a geek for, well, then shouldn't it be earned against him? He was the one who made the error. Sorry, that's one of my, that's one of my geeky scorekeeping issues. But the other problem in this game, besides the Lucchese miscue in that fifth inning, was the fact that the Mets had opportunities. They had a lot of opportunities in this game to score runs against Miami, including right off the jump in the top of the first inning with a chance to set the tone for this game against Blake Garrett, who has pitched very well recently and overall has had a pretty good year. The Mets get the first two guys on base. Nimmo leads off with a single. Our guy Ronnie Mauricio rips a double. They have second and third nobody out with Pete, Lindor, and Alvarez, and they get nothing. Pete strikes out. Lindor hits a ground ball to shortstop. Nimmo's running on contact. He's out by a mile. And then Alvarez, with a chance to clean it up, grounds out to third base. So they had the opportunity right in front of them to get off to a really good start. They didn't. And Garrett ended up pitching you know, a pretty damn good game. He pitched very well. The only run, excuse me, the Mets got in this game was when I think it was Francisco Lindor singled back to the mound. And I think Garrett made an error. And that's how they got the run. So it was an ugly, ugly run that got him on the board. But here's where this game got painful. This is why this is the worst loss of the year. It's not even... I take that back. Not the worst loss of the year. I'm sorry. That's emotional speaking. That's, I'll, I'll reframe it. That's the worst loss of September. Is that better? The worst loss of the period of the season that really doesn't mean anything. They are down to their final out in the ninth inning. If you're hanging in on this game, the Mets have given you a reason to believe. McNeil leads off the ninth with a double. Vientos rips a single, and after DJ and LaCastro do nothing, second and third, two outs, down by two. Like, here we go. Final shot with Brandon Nimmo up at the plate. And I'm kind of tired. I'm also watching the football games. There's two of them at the time. Actually, no, that was the night before. I wasn't watching the football game. That was the, that was the first game of the series. I guess I was just tired. And what does Nimmo do as I'm ready to go to bed and just give up? He rips a double to tie the game up. But I thought this at the time after Nimmo ripped the double. And sometimes I do have this thought, or maybe it's because I was tired. Ronnie Mauricio needed to drive him in. If, if Ronnie doesn't drive him in, 
I wasn't sure if it was going to be in the bottom of the ninth, but I felt like we're not winning this game. And Ronnie ends up grounding out on a ball that off the bat I thought was getting through for an RBI single. Speaking of Ronnie, before we get to that bottom of the ninth and the debacle that that was, I thought he looked very good at third base. I thought he showed some good range. I thought he made a couple of good plays. The bunt play with Luke Casey, I, I'm not putting it on him. Yeah, I'm not putting that on him. I, that's really on Joey. I mean, Ronnie's coming in to make a play on a bunt, and Luke Casey's thinking somebody's at third base. I do think in the small sample size, and it is a very small sample size, he looks better at second, but when you look at his body, he feels like a third baseman. Long, rangy guy. <coughs> but I thought he looked good over there. And I think that his position is just going to be about you know, who's hitting and who's not hitting. You know, Brett Beatty showed a little promise in the finale of this series when he hit a home run. But if Brett Beatty's not the everyday third baseman next year, there's a better chance, as we talked about last time, Ronnie's going to be the guy. But I did think he looked very good defensively at third base. But let me get to the bottom of the ninth. Because as soon as Trevor Gott comes into the game, replacing the immortal Reed Garrett, who actually did a fairly good job, this game's over. The, the impression I had was, this game is over. And the first pitch he throws, first pitch, he hits Nick Fortes, the eighth place hitter. First pitch. Like, we're not going to waste any time. We're not effing around. I'm just going to drill the leadoff hitter. Next guy, I think it was Xavier Edwards again, lays down the bunt. They walk Solaire. Fine, whatever. Gurriel grounds out, and here we go. Second and third, two outs, tie game. You do have the option, though, with Jake Berger coming up. Do you face him, or do you face Brian De La Cruz? For whatever reason, and I'm not sure how many people listening to this podcast is going to like remember this or even correct me on this, because this is just pure memory. I don't remember the situation. But when the Yankees blew the game to the Marlins earlier this year, maybe their worst loss of the season, wasn't there a should they face Berger versus should they face De La Cruz question? For some reason, <laughs> the whole there's a base open, do you go after Berger? Do you go after De La Cruz? Feels so eerily familiar. Maybe over the course of this pod, I'm going to look that one up. Because I feel like that's one of the questions the Yankees faced. If you recall, the Yankees had a series this year against the Marlins in which they had this just awful loss on a Sunday. They lost the game 8-7. to seven. They had a big, big lead late. They gave up five runs in the bottom of the ninth inning. They actually blew, if you want to go further, a 7-2 to two lead in the bottom of the eighth inning. And for some reason, do you face Berger versus do you face De La Cruz feels very, very familiar in that game. All right, I looked it up. I have the answer. Now I can fact check myself. So Berger did get the game-winning hit. So Berger does have a game-winning hit against the Yankees. He does have a game-winning hit against the Mets. But I am wrong. It wasn't De La Cruz on deck. It was Jesus Sanchez. That was the question. Do you face Berger, who's had a very good year, or do you face Sanchez? All right, that was close. Wasn't that far off. But anyhow, bottom of the ninth inning, they're facing Berger, and then you have that foul pop-up that I actually feel bad for Alvarez about. Again, pennant race, I'm cursing Alvarez out. Non-pennant race, I'm a compassionate guy. Because when he couldn't grab that foul pop-up, 
He was so furious. He Alonzoed in. You know how furious Pete gets? We saw that in the previous series when he swatted away on Narvaez's hand because he was so upset. That's what Francisco did. Francisco was not happy. And Alvarez, to if I'm going to nitpick him and find areas where he has struggled in his rookie year, making the, the pop-up behind the plate was a struggle. And it cost them the game. Well, let's not sugarcoat it. It cost them the game. He makes that play, and he should make that play. Not the easiest play in the world. But if he makes that play, top of the 10th inning, Ronnie Mauricio on second base, let's go. Who knows what happens? The count is 0-2. This is where my blame kind of goes back to Trevor Gott. You're ahead 0-2. Can you make burger chase? Can you try? And instead, right down the middle, base hit center field, shut the game off, go to bed. And I, I was pissed. I was pissed for about a minute. That's where I'm at now. I get annoyed. I still want to see my team win. For what reason? Who the hell knows? But you're watching your team and a game that felt winnable for many, many reasons. So the pain lasted for a minute. Tell me how long your pain lasted, if at all. (laughs) If if you saw the game live or you just checked the highlights after. But that's a tough way to lose. That's a very Mets way to lose. I was debating, though, also, during the offseason, we're going to do a pod. Pete and I ranking the best wins and the best losses. We did that last year. We'll do it again, no matter what the season was. And I was like, where would this game even be? Because it is September. It is over. Like, where, where would we even put a game like this? I'm not sure. I'll give you, I'll give you an answer when we do it. It's not going to be number one. I can tell you that. Uh, we get to the finale of this series. Kodai Senga was Kodai Senga. That's what it comes down to. He wasn't his sharpest. He wasn't his most dominant. He actually only struck out three guys in this game, allowed a home run in the sixth to Josh Bell, put a bunch of guys on base, but just another strong six-inning, two-run performance by Kodai, putting a capper on this season. I know he has one more star, but what a great year Kodai's had. His ERA is down to 2.96. The offense was really about Mark Vientos. I mean, Mark Vientos, who has shown a pulse in his second go-around, I don't think he's won a job by any stretch, but he's he's looked better. He hits two home runs in this game. The second one was a bomb. Brett Beatty hits a home run in this game. Pete Alonso drives in a couple of runs, sack fly, a rip single. You had that weird play where, for some reason, after Ronnie Mauricio singles and Nimmo's going first to third, You've got the Marlins right fielder, Jesus Sanchez, trying to throw to third base. It turned into a comedy of errors that handed the Mets a run. Brandon Nimmo had three hits to make his overall stats look pretty good. And the Mets pounded out eight runs and ten hits. Bullpen scares you a little bit, but they hold on and they win the game eight to three. 